0: Praise the Lord. Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. Do you appreciate, do you appreciate our worship this morning? Amen. I, uh, I just love the presence of the Lord. Let's give honor to whom honors due. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to jump right into the Word of God. We won't be more in a couple hours, I promise. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to set you up for however long I go. You won't be mad at me. Amen. No, we're we're going to move through this kind of quick. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't shake. Just God just been dealing me about about His resurrection and and, uh, and so we're going to we're going to take a look at it from a little bit a different aspect this morning. And uh, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter three, in your Bibles, Matthew chapter three. I appreciate this little girl down front worshiping. I don't know if you could see her this morning, but her hands were raised. She was clapping. How, how old is she? Two and, a half. Two and a half. And a child shall lead them, the Bible says. Amen. She wants to preach now, so she's going to take Graham out. And I think she could probably out-preach me. We love children. Amen. God's moving through children. And uh, there's a revival going on amongst the young people around the nation and around the nations of the world. And I'm believing for the full manifestation of it right here. Amen. In our church. I don't care if they're just born and you're lugging them in to 18 years old. Amen. God wants, wants to move in and through every life. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says, and in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, amen, you know, it just hit me that he came preaching in the wilderness, that's not where many people want to pioneer churches, but we did, amen, we did. A lot of people like to go to the cities. A lot of people like to go where there's a lot of people. But John the Baptist started preaching in the wilderness. It's a good place to start. Amen. And I believe it was also prophetic of the environment that he was in in that day. Came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and he was saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is at the doorway of every gospel. It's where, we're, where we allow God to change our mind, amen, which refocuses us and helps us change our direction. Away from ourself, our own strength, our own uh, trying to, try to meet it, it, and somehow satisfy the demands of a holy God in our own strength and flesh, or turning away from sin and to God, amen. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God. We'll see that. That's kind of... John the Baptist and his message is kind of the the gatekeeper of, of, of every gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll see him at the beginning. But notice what his proclamation is. He said, Repent. I want you to begin to change your thinking. I want you to begin to change your focus because the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a superior kingdom that's entering the earth over every inferior kingdom that you've ever encountered. This is what John was saying prophetically. He said there's, there's the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. A superior kingdom over every inferior kingdom. It's going to look different. It's, you're going to function different. It's going to lift limits. Amen. It's, it's going to open you up to realms of, of, of the supernatural and the impossible. And he said, that kingdom is at hand right now. Can you imagine being John the Baptist, getting to, be, uh, having, having the privilege to point out the king of that kingdom, amen, and to, and to, after 400 years of complete prophetic silence from the Old Testament to the New Testament, to be the one that points out and says, he's arrived. The kingdom of God is arrived. Now Jesus begins his public ministry in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12. He says, now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Verse 13, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. Says, which was by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Now, Jesus is, is fulfilling prophecy here. If you study his life and you study prophecy, you remember when he, when he uh, said to the, the religious leaders, he says, you, you know, you study the scriptures. In them, you think you have eternal life, but these are they that testify for me, of me. When he was walking on the road to Emmaus with a couple of his disciples, amen, and, and he, he opened their eyes and he said their hearts burned within them as, as, as he began to reveal. He said from the law and from the prophets, all those things concerning himself. There was no New Testament then. Amen. In other words, every, every from cover to cover in the scriptures, they're either prophetic uh, declaration or, or, or revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, his purpose, his kingdom, and his plan. Amen. And his purpose and destiny for you and for me. So he says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan of Galilee, of the Gentiles, a people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. What did John say when he, was, when he began his gospel concerning Jesus? He called him the light of the world. Amen. And he said the darkness couldn't quench it, couldn't comprehend it, couldn't quench it. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And just before he left, he said, listen, you're now the light of the world. I want that light to be carried on in and through you. I want you to be manifesting that revelation, that understanding, the heart of God, the revelation of God's love, his character, his authority, his power. Amen. His amazing grace, his mercy. I want you now to reflect that same revelation, that same light. He said, those that sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. Amen. New revelation, new king, new sheriff has come to town. Amen. He says, from that time Jesus, listen to this, from that time Jesus began to say, what? Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was picking up the same message that John, John the Baptist was proclaiming prophetically. And now Jesus is saying, this is being fulfilled in your midst. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. A superior kingdom. <laughs> over every inferior kingdom. A supernatural kingdom. You see... In John tells us, God God so loved the world. Amen? He gave us heaven's best. He sent his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, will encounter the very light and the very life of God. He came, and and, and as he came, and in, in him, when he walked this earth, when Jesus walked the earth, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. In him. In Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus came to be an expression of the heart of the Father to you and I into the world. He came so that that we would have a tangible reference point. Amen. So that we could see not only is the kingdom at, at hand, but what the kingdom looks like when it's lived out. Amen. What... How his kingdom is superior to every other kingdom. In order to understand that, you've got to study him. Amen. What did he do in certain circumstances? What did he do in situations? What did he do when people were hopeless? What did he do when people were sick? What did he do when people were diseased? What did he do when people died? What did he do, amen, when they were hopeless, when they were depressed, when they were broken, when they were bound by sin, when they were demon-possessed? How did Jesus function? Amen. It was superior than any other kingdom that they had ever encountered because he brought healing. He brought deliverance. He brought hope. Amen. He infused faith. He he embraced people that had to quarantine. (laughs) Amen. You've been feeling alone because you've had to quarantine? Jesus hugged the lepers. They had to quarantine. They had to to scream out. They were one step removed from us. They had to say, unclean, unclean, and you had to keep your distance. That might be next. I don't know. Maybe that's what we're going to have to say every time we get around something. But Jesus, you see, under the Old Testament and the Old Covenant... They were quarantined. Jesus was lifting up a standard. He was bringing a new covenant. He was bringing an expression of the heart of the Father. So under the new covenant, what did he do? What you, had to, what you had to stay away from, he embraced. What you had to live with and try to endure and survive, he healed and he delivered. Amen. When people were demon-possessed and tormented, amen, he set them free. This was a superior kingdom. Amen. Jesus said it's at hand. It's right now. A superior to an inferior kingdom is here and it's available for you and I. And then as he lived those three and a half years on, on the earth before his life was taken before him and before he was resurrected, amen, he put on display exactly what that kingdom looks like because he's the king of the kingdom. Amen. Everything we witness in his life put on display the heart of the Father. That's why he said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only speak what I hear the Father speak. He lived an ascended life. He lived from heaven to earth, receiving from God. Amen. And and, and taking that which he received and, and made it evident to those that he ministered to. He gave expression to it in reality. I love that scripture at the end of the Gospel of John where it says that he ascended. He asked them, he goes, who has ascended and who has descended? And, they, and they're looking, he goes, nobody but the Son of Man. Now, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. But he said he ascended and he descended. What was he talking about? Living in the abiding presence of the Father. There was no no distance to him. Amen. He, he, he He could witness what the Father was doing. He could see. He could hear. And all he did was what he was mandated to do. Amen. Commissioned to do. Out of that intimate relationship in the heart of the Father, he brought that to us and he's offered that to us. In fact, the title of my message this morning is Being Witnesses of His Resurrection." Last week, we talked about the power of his resurrection. Now, God wants us to be witnesses of his resurrection. Amen? In Acts chapter 1, we're going to spend a little bit, the rest of the message, we're going to spend jumping around here in Acts 1, 2, and a little bit of 3 and 4, not the whole chapter, but just a few verses out of each one. John said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The way we get in is always the same. It's through repentance and and trusting him. Amen. Calling on him. The way is narrow, but there is a way in. Amen. His name is Jesus. Amen. Anybody awake? Check your pulse. I just want to make sure you're still with me. Amen. Elbow the one next to you if you think they're sleeping. Amen. Because it, we're gonna get we're gonna elevate some things now. We've been dealing with some 101 stuff, but I want to I want to try to challenge us a little bit and 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 lift our lift our faith this morning. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 1 and verse 20, <clears throat> he says, For it is written in the book of Psalms. Now this is, let me just give you a little bit of context or it won't make a whole lot of sense to you. This is, this is after Judas had betrayed Jesus, you remember? And then he went out and he hung himself, he killed himself. And so they were going to choose another disciple, another apostle to take his place. And they felt an urgency to do this. <clears throat> and it was even prophesied. And then we know that Matthias was actually chosen to take Judas's place. I'm not sure that was God or not. They drew straws. I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if the Apostle Paul wasn't God's choice uh, to take that place, but I'll have to ask him when I get there. It's not really clear. Amen. In the Scripture, you just don't hear any more about Matthias after this. Amen. He, he drew the right straw, but I'm wondering if the, Paul, the Apostle Paul was reserved in the heart of God to be the next choice. But he says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Psalm nine eight it says, Therefore, these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that he was taken up from us, these must become witnesses with us of what? His resurrection. You see, they chose him. They were feeling an urgency, Amen. They, they had, the, the heat was being turned up. I mean, their, their Savior had just been crucified. He had been resurrected. He had commissioned them. He had mandated them to take this gospel. Amen. This gospel of the kingdom to the nations of the world. We have that same mandate on us today. Nothing's changed. Amen. People still need to know the heart of God and the love of God for their lives and that that there's a better way. They need to know and encounter a kingdom reality. Do you remember when Jesus taught the disciples to pray? They came to him. They said, Lord, teach us to pray as you taught your disciples. And, 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 And so he said, okay, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. In other words, God, you're preeminent. We worship you. We magnify you. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We sang it this morning, heaven in earth as in heaven. In heaven, you know, he said, pray that my kingdom come and my will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He wants some heaven on earth through his people. Amen? Now, Jesus said it's at hand. John the Baptist said it's at hand. So why is he telling them to pray that his kingdom come? He's there. It's come. Amen? How many of you know there's a difference between knowing something and entering into it and living in that reality? What Jesus was instructing them to do, when you pray, my kingdom come and the will of heaven be done in earth... In this earth, as it is in heaven, he's saying, pray that a people will encounter me, amen, and, 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 and encounter the power, the resurrection power of my kingdom until it brings transformation in their life. Not just pray that it comes, but that, that we encounter it, and it does, amen, and, 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 and that we live in the light and the revelation of that kingdom, and it gives expression in and through our lives, amen? It's not... Just pray that it comes and it's there and we're here. No, it's come. (laughs) Amen. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this earth. Amen. This earth as it is in heaven. Manifest your kingdom and glory in my life. Then in verse 22. It says, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up. One of those must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they were calling forth someone to take Judas's place to be a witness of his resurrection. Now this word witness is interesting. <clears throat> In the Greek it means, it's, it's martos, it's where we actually get our word martyr from. It means one who bears witness by his death like Stephen did, like, like, well, all the apostles probably, except for John, and, and like, Je- obviously, Jesus himself. It, it, it means that, in other words, loving not our lives unto death, be, being absolutely, totally, and completely committed. Embracing, up our, br- embracing our cross daily and following him is one aspect of it. But it also denotes one who can or does aver what he has seen or heard or knows. Let me say that again. One who can or does what he sees or hears or knows. In other words, someone acting upon the truth that he now sees and understands. Those whose lives and actions testify of the worth and effect of faith and whose faith received. Amen received a witness in the scripture. So it's, it, it has reference to past tense and present tense reality of those that encounter God in such a way and enter into his kingdom that that kingdom life is manifested in our actions. That kingdom life is put on display through you and I. You know, you get to love others with the love of God. Amen. You get to share with others the grace of God. You get to to put on display the compassion of God. The power and authority of God. As you encounter Him, and as you get freed up, as I get freed up, as as we continually encounter Him, those things that are deposited in our life are not supposed to stay there. Amen. You know, the Bible says that we have the Spirit, same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in us. He said if that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal bodies. It will give you life. Amen. There's no question in my mind when someone's born again that the Spirit of God is in them. What makes people question the reality of the Spirit of God is if you can't get out. (laughs) Amen. God wants out. He said, I, I've deposited something, I've changed your life, I'm, I, I, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing kingdom reality, a superior kingdom into your life so that others might see, so that others might experience it and encounter it. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit was poured out. You remember that. They were in an upper room in one accord. They were praying 50 days after uh, Passover. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, God poured out His Spirit. They saw cloven tongues over each one. They be, all began to prophesy and speak in other languages. And then Peter says, that, that, that got them in a little bit of trouble. When they wandered out of the upper room, people thought they were drunk. You remember that? In Acts chapter 2, they were around, staggering around under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody drunk in the Spirit, but it's interesting. <laughs> Amen? It happens. I believe every, for everything that's real, the devil has a counterfeit. Amen? The, the devil's counterfeit for church is the bar. They advertise fine spirits. People pull up to the altar, get a drink, amen, share their problems. Just saying. And there's usually a lot more reverence In a bank than there is in church, as far as respect. You don't, you don't. Kids are made to behave, and people don't get out of line, and people don't holler and great. Why? Because that's what's really worshipped in our nation. I didn't mean to get off on all this, but it won't cost you any more. It's good. It's good. It's good to encounter truth. Amen. To encounter truth. God says, I want to give you the real. I want to give you the real. And so they, they were accused of being drunk. So Peter speaks up. They were kind of stagging around under the anointing. Even they hadn't got that kind of encounter, hadn't had that kind of encounter with God at that, that point with the Holy Spirit just filling them and overflowing. And so Peter says in Acts chapter 2. In verse 15, he goes, For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. I believe that's 9 o'clock in the morning. He, says, and it, he said, But this is that. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He goes, What you're witnessing here, us staggering around, having a little hard time, getting a reference, is, is exactly... Now, Peter, Peter has a, a clear mind, amen, which showed that he wasn't drunk in the natural He's operating, he's moving and functioning in a superior kingdom. They're trying to interpret it through natural eyes. They're interpreting what they're witnessing for a supernatural encounter with God. They're interpreting with their natural eyes in in a lesser realm, a, a lower kingdom. Amen. And so he said, they're not drunk as you suppose. But this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Amen. Just in case you're wondering, I'm still still seeing visions, not dreamed yet. Amen. Amen. I'm just kidding. I'll take whatever God wants to give me any way He wants to give it to me, amen. Young men shall see visions. I'm a vision man. Your old men shall dream dreams. Praise God. It says, and on my men servants and on my maidservant, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor, of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and moon into blood before the coming and great awesome day of the Lord. A prophetic declaration of things being shaken before he comes again. Including the outpouring of his spirit. So that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And he says you strengthen those things that remain. In verse 22. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by what? Miracles, wonders, signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. He's telling them what is public news throughout their whole region. Everywhere Jesus went, thousands upon thousands were healed, were delivered, were set free. Amen? It was just an expression of the kingdom operating through his life, where he was putting on display a superior kingdom that was superior than every other inferior kingdom. It's at hand, and I'm going to show you what it looks like, is what he was saying. Now, Peter is testifying back. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Peter, they're beginning their ministry. And he's proclaiming the same thing. And he said, listen, God attested the amen of heaven was on Jesus to you so that we would understand and know was on Jesus by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him in your midst. And you yourself know that was the amen of heaven on Jesus life. That's why they said, well, he don't teach like the scribes and the Pharisees. He teaches with one with authority. He's not just bringing everybody under bondage of their sin. He's not, he's not just making everybody feel guilty and coming under condemnation. Man, he's giving them grace. He's giving them mercy. He's reaching out to the woman who had been married five times before and was living with a guy. He's cleansing lepers. Amen. he's, he's getting down on the ground and he's riding on the ground with a woman that was caught in adultery. Amen. And then he looks at the religious leaders who all had stones in their hand, and according to the law, she should have been stoned. So should the one with her. And he didn't get brought in. I always wondered that. And then Jesus said, Let he who without it sin among you throw the first stone. And from the oldest to the youngest, the one who would sinned the most, to the ones who hadn't been around long enough to sin as much as they all began to drop their stones. Is a different kingdom. He come to set the captives free. He come to embrace. He come to love. He came to restore. He came to bring life. Amen? Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know. Verse 23, And him being delivered by determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Now this is something that we don't, sometimes we lose sight of. Him being delivered by determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Do you know that it was predetermined and purposed in the heart of the Father for Jesus to die because of his love for you and I? We're celebrating communion in a little while. Amen. He was wounded for our transgressions. He died for our offenses, and he was raised, it says in Romans 4, for our justification, just as if we never sinned. It is a complete, finished work on Calvary. The blood of Jesus is enough. The grave couldn't hold him. He was resurrected. He defeated death. He defeated the enemy. He crucified the handwriting and ordinance that was against us. He nailed them to the cross. He defeated the flesh. Amen. And he gave us victory over sin and delivered us from the wrath to come. That's what we're going to be celebrating here in a little while. He was delivered up, determined, purpose, foreknowledge of God. You've taken by lawless hands, you've crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, amen, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. It was impossible that the life giver could be held by death. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. If you believe in me, you've got my life in you. You'll have life. Amen. I am, he said to Mary and to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. It's the I am. Do you know you can encounter resurrection life this morning? You don't need to die to do it. Amen. It's at hand. The kingdom is at hand. He said, whom God raised up, loose the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. We're going to jump over to Acts chapter 3. Now Peter preaches this message and uh, he goes to the temple Now Peter and John in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Acts, he says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask arms of those who entered into the temple. This man, amen, he had been been lame, he couldn't walk, he couldn't work, he couldn't function, he had been laid at the gate of the temple, the gate beautiful, that's, that's the lower kingdom. That's the best man could do, would make a beautiful gate and leave a man lame there, desperate and helpless, depending on the mercy of anybody that went in that might give him something. Amen, an inferior kingdom represented. Amen, beautiful gate, look good, great architecture, great craftsmanship. The best that man could do was still an inferior kingdom. Amen? You still with me? You all right? We're almost done. H- hang in there. <laughs> A few more minutes. All right. So he sees, Peter and, he sees Peter in verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked arms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. They stopped, looked at this lame man who had been laying there every day being lugged in. That was his only means of survival. And they were about to put on display a superior kingdom. One that they had encountered because they encountered the king of that kingdom. Amen? Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he was asking arms. He probably didn't even dare to look up. He was so, so broken and so hurt, so embarrassed. And Peter said, "Look at us. Lift up your head. Amen. That's, that's a word for somebody here this morning. Amen. You haven't been, haven't been look unto the hills from what cometh your help. Your help come from God. Don't always dwell with your head down, being discouraged, being oppressed, being just thinking there's, there's help for everybody else but not you. You need to hear. No, lift up your head." Amen. God's no respecter of persons. What he's done for this man, what he's done for everyone when he walked this earth in this ministry, he'll do for you. Amen? Lift up our heads. You know you're going to head the direction you're looking. It's a simple truth. I know I'm a deer hunter. I'm always looking for Deer. I hear sand coming up under my car once in a while, as I'm spending a little too much time checking out that field. Amen. Oops, I'm headed the direction that I'm looking. I would rather go after them with a rifle than my car. It gets my attention, and I have to turn back. Amen. So he says, "Lift up your hand. Look at us." Notice he didn't say he didn't even say, "Look at Jesus." What he was saying is, look at us, something's been deposited of Jesus in my life, a kingdom reality. So they get, he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. Probably um, some sort of money, something to, to help him out. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Rise up and walk. God spoke to me this week. That the American church has more silver and gold than they have what Peter had. Than more power. God wants a shift. Silver and gold have I none. None he said what do you think the guy would have rather had but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth get up God's doing something in America he's shifting priorities he's not interested in man building inferior kingdoms even in his church He's he's not interesting in, in, in what man can produce, how man can perform, how good man can look, what kind of inferior kingdom can be built. He's calling forth and he's activating the power of the Holy Spirit and kingdom reality in the lives of his people to put on display to really minister to those that are hurting and broken. He said, it's at hand. Pray that it enters your life. Amen. Pray that you can give expression to it. Silver and gold I don't have, he says, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, get up. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Amen, what a call to worship. Well, wait a minute, you he got healed and there wasn't an altar call yet. You know, we get so stinking and caught up in formalities and traditions and I mean, of every denomination. I'd love it if somebody walked in this door and said, Pastor Gary, when I walked in this door today, I got healed. Man, when Pastor Pete was leading worship, man, I I got delivered. I got set free. The peace of God entered my heart. I was so depressed when I came in, and somebody greeted me and shook my hand and said, Bless God, and I was set free. Amen. I I I, I saw somebody in the hall the other day that had a headache. Amen, it was after service, I'd just come out of my office, and, I, and I'm looking, he said, yeah, my head's killing me, and uh, I think it was Donna Aiken was there, she goes, well, let me pray for you, and she prayed like that, he goes, it's gone, I'm going, yes, I'm standing in my office door, they didn't have to track me down, they didn't have to track down the elders, amen, some people are getting this, amen, it's starting to get on board, the kingdom of God, amen, is within you. Amen. And they didn't even think; they just prayed for him. Amen. He goes, "It's gone." I mean, he was shocked. He goes, "It's really gone." I couldn't get by; I had to wait for him and see the miracle. Didn't mind waiting. Amen. That—that—that's. That these signs shall follow them that. Doesn't just say pastors doesn't say evangelists apostles prophets yeah they all function in that but these signs shall follow them that believe he jumped up ran into the temple jumping and leaping and praising God the people saw him (laughs) there was a witness of the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ And they knew that it was he, verse 10, who sat begging and asking arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And they were so excited. I mean, I think they had a good service. I don't know about you, but I think there were some happy people. But you know what? You know what that immediately got Peter and John? Arrested. Don't don't think everybody's going to respond the same way (laughs) when when you share the gospel. Amen? Jesus, I'm convinced if you study his life, there was revivals or riots everywhere he went. (laughs) They either ran to him and embraced him or they tried to throw him off cliffs and kill him. There was no middle ground with him. He wasn't walking that tight uh, rope of, of just trying to keep people happy. No, he wanted him set free, and he knew how you had to do it, and that was the only way to do it, and he proclaimed it with truth and authority, and there were people that embraced it, and there were people that embraced him and tried to kill him. So that, and we're going to close in this, Acts chapter 4. So, this lame man gets healed, the religious leaders are offended, They're offended at the truth, at the gospel, at the power of God be put on display. Why? Because they weren't functioning in it. There's an interesting, there's an irony in a scripture in Acts where it says, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. (laughs) Annas and Caiaphas, let me say that again. With a high priest. But the word of the Lord came to John the Baptist. This wild man. Clothed in animal skins. Eating honey and locusts. The word of the Lord came to him in the wilderness. Bypassed the whole religious system. And went to somebody that would do something about it. So now they're on the hot seat. In in Acts 4 and verse 7. And when they had set them in their midst, they asked, by what power or by what name do you do this? And Peter being what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God operating alive and well in Peter. Said to them, this is the one who just a few weeks before denied that he even knew him. I've done a message before and after the Holy Spirit with Peter. The before and after. You see all those weight loss things, before and after. Well, there's a before and after with the Holy Spirit in our lives too. (laughs) Amen? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for the good deed done to this helpless man by what means has been made well, he says, Let it be known to you all, he is not afraid now. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders. (laughs) He's not just saying a scripture here, the build. He goes, You builders. Which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men. But whereby we must be saved. Man he is laying it down. This is the, he's laying it down to the same ones who crucified Jesus. He has no idea if he isn't next. Next. It, it, and I love this. It, it, it gets better. The, he says, <clears throat> nor is there salvation in any other. There's no, there's no other name unto heaven given among men whereby we must be, be saved. Jesus is it. I know that's, it's, it's awful narrow-minded. And They asked Mike Warmke that one time. They said, isn't that awful narrow-minded? He said, well, you can afford to be if you're right. Amen. He says, now when they saw, I love this, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, these religious leaders with their, with their religious garments and, and all their priestly robes and, and all the respect that, that was demanded of them under the old covenant, and, and, and there was a transition, and they were missing this transition. Amen. And they, they saw the boldness. What made Peter and John stand out? It wasn't their garments. They were fishermen. Amen. They were, they, were, they, were, they were blue-collar workers like you and I. Amen. And they stood out. Why? It was because of the authority. It was because of the power. It was because of the kingdom reality that was operating in and through their lives. Notice this. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled. You see, that much of our culture thinks all good things comes through superior education. Unfortunately, a lot of our institutions of higher education are not speaking truth. That's part of the reason why our country is facing what it's facing right now. Because all of these, in a superior kingdom, intellectual giants are taking us down, trying to take this country to hell. When someone stands up, amen, that's got the power of God on board. I I, I love what Sean Foyt's doing around the country now. I don't know if you know him, but he's just holding worship services in cities. He's just going in, bringing a worship band, worshiping. Guys are getting out of wheelchairs. People are blind are seeing. They're baptizing them in the back of pickup trucks. Amen. He's got revival. He's got hair longer than if I could grow it that long, it would be cool. I'd probably do it now. I mean, his hair's down to here. The guy preaches the gospel. He's from California. Man, he's got revival. And I just saw a picture of him where where a senator in California presented him an award on Azusa Street, where the Azusa Revival took place, and the ministry of the Azusa Revival, they both presented him with, with the Azusa Award, amen, and all the fines that, and, and the lawsuits that were against him in California for not, not getting, for having these worship services, even if they wouldn't give him a permit, he'd always try to do it right, but if they wouldn't do it, he'd still do it. They all got, This senator got it all taken away, and he got an award. I don't know if you're seeing this on Facebook, but man, I just want to get out of my truck and dance when I read that. I said, man, this guy, he is just shameless. They might, they might, pre- he's, he's brilliant too, by the way. They might perceive that he's, he, he, I think he might run for Congress or something. I hope he gets elected. We need to pray for him. If you see him su- support the ministry. I mean, he's doing the, his family, his 10-year-old daughter's prophesying over people, reading their mail. God is just moving. He's moving. Well, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they they perceived they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. But notice at the end of this verse. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. It's not what you know, it's who you know. They perceived boldness, and they said, this guy's been hanging around with the one we crucified. What made them stand out? It was the same thing that made Jesus stand out and bring a superior kingdom. He lived in the presence of his father. Peter had encountered time and time again the presence and the glory of God. He was filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and he was proclaiming the gospel and the truth under that same anointing and same unction and it was shaking the religious world around him. It says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they couldn't really say anything against it. I love it. Come with me to my trial. (laughs) You're my evidence that God's real. So what did they do? They threatened them. So they, verse 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. That's it. You're done. You get one miracle. You're over. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. I love verse 20. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What did it say as a witness? Putting on display what's been seen, what's been heard, what you've encountered of the Son of God. He said, we cannot, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So they were further threatened. They were threatened more. What is Peter saying here? He goes, I have no options. Oh, if we could live life without options when it comes to the glory and the power of God. I mean, what would the American church look like if there were no plan Bs? Amen? This is what Peter said. He said, I can't help it. It's like, Isaiah, like, like Jeremiah said. It's the, uh, he wasn't going to. Nobody would listen to him. He was a prophet. Nobody would listen to him. He'd had enough. He was in prison. He goes, that's it. I'm not talking for you anymore, God. I'm done. I quit. He said, but his word was like a fire shut up in my bones. And guess what? He reengaged. Amen. And Peter says, listen. I can't help, it. I got no options here. I can't help but to speak the things which I have seen and which I've heard. I've personally encountered of the Lord. In First John, he goes, John says this, that which we have seen and that which we have heard and that which we've handled of the word of life declare we unto you. It was firsthand encounters and experiences with God that revolutionized their lives and established their ministry for the glory of God. So they were further threatened. In verse 23, it says, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders said to them. So when they heard it, so they run back to the people of like precious faith. So when they heard it, it says, they raised their voice to God in one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. They're encouraging themselves with the bigness of God as they pray. God, you're the one who created everything. You're the one that they, they lifted their voice. So you're the God who made the heaven, made the earth, made the sea and all that is within them. Who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers gathered together against God, against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel have gathered together, who did whatever your hand And your purpose determined before that was to be done. In other words, they fulfilled the purpose of the Father in their rebellion. God wasn't taken by surprise when they decided to crucify His Son. He was born to die. Amen? He's not surprised by the things you're facing right now. What, whatever it is, whatever impossibility you're facing, whatever sickness, whatever, whatever you're going through, whatever discouragement, whatever heartache, amen. God's not surprised. He's not chewing his nails in the throne room. He's not pacing. Oh, no, I didn't see this coming. How can I help him? Gabriel, what are we going to do? No. He, he will work all things together for good to those that love God and call the coin to his purpose. God's got this. Man, he's for you. He's not against you. The enemy might sneak up on me. He might sneak up on you, but he doesn't sneak up on God. Amen. Look up. Lift your head up. Amen. And begin to consider the Savior of the world, the superior kingdom that you've been placed in that rules and reigns over all inferior kingdoms that attack you or try to bring you down or try to destroy you. Amen. The one who sits on the throne of the kingdom in which we dwell desires to manifest in and through your life for his glory. I love this, verse 29, he says, Now, Lord, look on their threats. What does Peter do with their threats? He takes it to the Lord. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. What did they perceive that Peter and John had? Good education. They graduated from Harvard Pharisaical School. Yale, Sadducee, University. No. They perceived that they, were, they had boldness. They had perceived that he had been with Jesus. What's Peter asking for here? He's asking for the very thing that got him arrested. He, he knew this could mean his life. This was real to him. And he said, God, I've got a mandate, and I don't want to waver. The very thing that got him arrested, the very thing that got him threatened. Now look on their threats, and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. What did it it say? By stretching out your hand to heal and signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It was this miracle, this kingdom reality and display that got me in trouble. It was the boldness that you gave me by the Holy Spirit that got me arrested. It was the boldness that you gave me that made me stand out over all the religious leaders and the educated ones in that day. God, give me more. God, give me more. I, I need more of that boldness. Amen. He said, I I can't help but do what I've seen and heard. I can't help it, but I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it in my own power. I can't do it with natural means and and, and, and an inferior kingdom. I've got to have the kingdom of God functioning in my life. Notice he said that with all boldness, I may speak your word. Notice it's, it's a continual Thought here, I may speak your word by stretching out hands to heal, and signs and wonders may be done through your, through your name, Jesus. Speaking the word in signs and wonders. God says, listen, you go, these signs shall follow them that believe. I will confirm my word with signs following. Do you remember that? I mean, I can look it up and give you the scripture, if you know, but trust me, that's what Jesus said. He said, I will confirm my word with signs following. Peter's making that same decree right here, the same declaration. He said, look at their threats. Grant unto me that with all boldness I might speak your word. Speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of the holy, your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, listen to this. You talk about a quick answer to prayer. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. An instant answer to prayer. The place was shaken, and it was just filled with believers praying, and they all began to speak the Word of God with boldness. They had a fresh encounter with God, a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit of God, and they got a a fresh launch, amen, into their kingdom mandate. It said, now, the multitude of those who believed were in one heart, one soul, neither did any, say that there were any things that they possessed was their own. I mean, this was radically changing how they, how they did life. But they had all things in common. Everybody's sharing with each other. In verse 33, look at this. And with great power, the apostles gave what? Witness to what? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. You want to you wanna know how? to be witnesses of his resurrection, then we act and we do and we function just as the resurrected one did. I chose Peter as the example because it's easy to believe. It's, e- it's much easier to believe, well, Jesus, well, after all, he was the son of God and he, you know, he, he, he had a leg up on us. But do you know when he came to earth, he humbled himself, made himself of no service, Uh, 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 made himself of no reputation, became a servant. He became a man. Every miracle that you see, every sign, every wonder, every action, every response, he was absolutely, totally uh, uh, submitted to the Father and the heart and the will of God just like you and I. Everything was done as a man. And he was saying, this is how it's done in my kingdom. Now it's at hand. It's available. Whosoever will can come. Amen? Now I know if this does anything to you like it does for me, it stretches you. But I want to tell you something. Don't wait until you think you know enough. If you see somebody hurting, launch out into the deep and try to minister to them. If you see somebody that needs healing, don't be afraid to pray for them. We can't heal anybody anyway. It's God that does it. You know, I went in to grab a coffee the other day, and they go, how you doing on your message? I think it was yesterday or the day before. They know I'm a pastor, I guess. <laughs> I said, how you doing on your message? I said, well, I'm, I'm still working on it. And... Uh, they had tons of boxes in there. We, had, my wife and I was in the night before, we were in pretty late, and we saw a truck delivering, and they were unpacking it, and uh, tons of boxes in there, and I went in, it was probably 5, 6 o'clock the next morning, and they were trying to unload everything, and I said, well, you don't have to use your gym membership today, huh? I was just joking with them, because they were lugging all those boxes. And they go, no, no, I guess we won't have to, won't have to do that today, and, uh, I said, well, you guys, you do a lot of work to get this much volume in. It's in two or three times a week, truckloads of stuff coming. He goes, yeah, well, we're the largest one uh, around. We have the most volume of anyone around here. And uh, the closest one to us is Bangor that does that. And he goes, and there's really nothing around them. And I said, well, it's good. I like coming here. I said, it's good. And they go, well, we really like you. They They said, you treat us like people. And I thought, I wonder what they get treated like. You know, do they only hear when they screw up? Do they only hear when they make a mistake? Do they only, you know, are people so in and out that they can't. But that's what, that was her comment. You, tr- you treat us like we're real people. I thought, well, you are real people. What do you I mean, last I knew there was no robots working here. Amen. But, you know, just, just simple things can emanate the love of God and the grace of God and open up doors to, to share the heart of God. We're going to have communion. Amen? And uh, I'm going to ask the Lord, I'm going to ask Pastor Pete if he would come at this time. and. <clears throat> I'm just going to ask the Lord before we take communion together to seal. Could we just stand together? Amen. You need to move. I know you need to move. I've had you there for a while. But the kingdom of God that we've been talking about this morning has been established and made available to you and I today because of the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We stand here this morning availing ourselves to the kingdom reality and truth because of his great sacrifice. And so we're going to celebrate that this morning. And before we partake together, I just want to pray that God would would seal this message, that we would be recognized, not by titles, not by how we dress, not by our status, not by our positions and the jobs that we hold, not by how many degrees we have. We could have more degrees in a thermometer and still have no power. Amen? But Jesus said this. He said, and you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. In other words, I will empower you to take that power, to act on that and to live in that and to display that for my glory motivated by love. Greater love has no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friend. And because of God's love, we have the capacity to love. We love Him because He first loved us. Amen? You might say, well man, there's some people I have trouble loving. I mean, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Anybody here have one or two, you have trouble loving. Aren't you glad God's not like that? Man, you talk about coming under condemnation. God so loved the world that while we were sinners, he died for us. If you can't love him in your love, love him. Let his love love them through you. And it will be real and genuine. And, they will, and they will, they'll get it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, we thank you for the kingdom reality that you've made available. We thank you, Lord God, that when we said, yes, Lord, and we surrendered and yielded ourselves and acknowledged your death, your burial, your resurrection in our place that your life came alive in us that your kingdom was established and God we're asking right now Lord that with all boldness we might declare your word and that signs and wonders might be done in the name of the holy child Jesus Lord that you would share your heart with us that we could love with your love God, that we could let things go that trip us up. God, that we would, that we would be able to let things go that, God, that want to steal our thought life, that want to steal our joy, that want to steal our peace. God, we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people. So God, don't let us hold on to a kingdom, God, that's less superior than your kingdom. God, help us to let go, God, of every inferior kingdom, and run after you. So, Lord, that night in the upper room, you took the bread and you broke it, and you handed it to your disciples. And you said, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Lord, we thank you for that matchless sacrifice. for the breaking of your body. Lord, you was rejected so that we could be accepted. You were beaten. You were whipped. You bore stripes on your body so that we could be healed. Your blood was poured out and your life was given and you died so we could live. You had a crown of thorns beat on your head so that our minds could be renewed. You had nail-pierced hands and feet so that our walk could be redeemed so that we could be about your business. And that same night in the upper room, you took the cup. You said, this is the blood of my new covenant. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance. Father, we thank you for your matchless love this morning. We thank you that we can celebrate with you in remembrance of you. Your tremendous, God, your amazing sacrifice so that we could be free. And now, God, we close praying as you instructed us to pray. Father, I pray that your kingdom come. That your will be done. God, that heaven would invade earth. And God, that we would live our lives with a boldness giving expression to your love to your compassion your grace your authority and your power being able witnesses of this new covenant that we've just celebrated and being witnesses of your resurrection in Jesus name Amen Amen we're going to